1: Hello and welcome to 100% Hits Volume Pod, the podcast that looks at the greatest music compilation in this country, nay, the world has ever put together. My name is Joshua and today my very special guest is my good buddy, it's Kirsty Webeck.
0: <laughs> Hello mate. Hey mate, how you doing? Yeah, great thanks, how about you?
1: We've both had our fourth dose, we've had our booster today.
0: I know. I'm genuinely so excited and grateful. I, I still haven't had COVID yet. So, the vaccine, yeah, that's amazing. Anything they want to pump into my body, I'll take.
1: <laughs> Mate, I flew to Sydney on the weekend, and Sydney Airport is it's crazy. It's so busy. And I reckon I was one of 5% of people wearing masks there. And look, no judgment, if you if you can't wear a mask or you don't want to wear a mask, I'm not – but, like, it is – the fact that that place is just everyone's shoulder to shoulder, I'm, like, going, why would you risk – I'm sure not everyone's coming home from holiday. They could be going to holiday. Why would you risk getting sick before your holiday? It's – oh, wear a mask if you can.
0: Yeah, it's it's so bizarre to me because we've had – like, we've had so long to get used to wearing masks and it's just something that's yeah. like a – um. It's muscle memory for me now. When I'm, you know, when I'm, when I'm walking into a shop, I pull it out of my pocket, I put it, I put it on my face, and, you know, people hate that. I don't know if you're finding this, but people hate that you haven't had it. Yeah. Like, like whenever I say that I haven't had it, everyone's like, oh, yes, you, you would have. You just didn't know. You've yeah. definitely had it, and I'm like. Mate, I've caught twenty-four flights this year, and I've worn an N95 religiously. Yeah, like even even at gigs, I've been the only person in the green room with a mask on, much to like you, you know some people's
1: fury. Oh.
0: And I'm like, mate, I, I, there, there's something to be said for wearing
1: one. Yeah, I get the whole not wanting to wear a mask. So they do. It's, I understand they. It's annoying to wear it, but totally. Having seen my son get COVID, I reckon that's more annoying. <laughs> I'll put a mask
0: on. <laughs> I agree. Anyway,
1: I've I've lost all the ma- the anti-mask listeners by now. That's all right. Goodbye. Bye bye. Hey, we're not talking that. We're talking music. We're talking music. now. We're talking volume hits. Volume five, side B. So last week we had side A with Gerald and Hickey. Now we're going to side B. We've turned we've turned it over. We've turned the tape over. Now the year's ninety two. What do, what do you remember about ninety two, Weebek?
0: Oh, 92. I would have been, oh, I don't remember a lot. I would have been in primary school. I reckon yep. I would have been uh, booging on down to some of these tracks at the year four school disco most likely.
1: Nice. Because I, <laughs> so my, my memories of 92 are the Barcelona Olympics. That, if you, As soon as you say 92, I'm like, oh, the Olympics. It was the dream team. That's all I remember of 92.
0: Great. That's a great memory. I mean, I yeah, I'm so bad with numbers that, it well, wouldn't even occur to me that that had anything to do with the Olympics.
1: Also, too, too young to really understand the Gulf War. I knew it happened, but I was just not paying attention. In Bernie, wasn't really across my radar. Uh, so, <laughs> what we're doing? We'll go. We'll go through these songs now. I I know you're into certain bands. I know you're going to see the Strokes later in the year, so you're into the Strokes. Yes. Have you? Yes. I don't know if you've been keeping abreast with the news on the Strokes. They've had a few bad gigs lately. Julian Casablancas from the Strokes. Not, not not, in the best uh, way to be fronting a band, according to all reports. Ah,
0: I've missed that. I haven't yeah. heard anything about that. Oh, that's a bummer. Ho- I hope ho- he, um, I, I mean, I don't know what it's relating to, but I hope he comes good by the time they get to Melbourne.
1: <laughs> I, I hope so too. I'm going to see them as well. All right. We're, get, we're, we're going side, side B. Okay. Track one of side B. So it's actually track 10 of the album. Now. This is Vanessa Williams and her song, Save the Best for Last, which they've put right in the middle of the CD. (laughs) Here we go. And that's enough of that song. (laughs) Do you you remember this song? Big time. Oh, so do I. This seemed to be the song that they'd played at the end of every school dance I went to in high school, and it's a perfect – end of school dance song because it's like a slow song you can finally get you you can finally get up the courage to ask the person you want to dance with do you want to dance it's a slow song it's the best for last all the intentions there like you're oh i've saved i want to dance with you all night i've saved you for last and then yeah if you're lucky get a little smooch
0: (laughs) if you play your cards right uh, I I agree. There were there are a good few years where this was absolutely the last song they played at our school discos. Like, essentially until um, "Time of Your Life" came along, yeah. wasn't it? Like, <laughs> and then Vanessa Williams was just dropped like a hot potato. Like, Darn.
1: well, I didn't know. I don't know much about Vanessa Williams, so I did a bit of research here. So she was a former Miss America. Oh, but she had to hand over her title. Uh, before she'd finished the serving the year because Penthouse magazine had acquired some nude photos of her and she found out she was going to publish them and that is against uh, the code for Miss America. You can't have that on, against your name. And so she had to hand it to the person who came runner-up. So they got it instead for the, for the remainder of the term.
0: You can't have Penthouse breaching your privacy against your name. Yeah, so
1: she loses the Miss America title because... Pretty much, someone sold photos of her, and so she's missed out twice because she didn't get paid for the photos either.
0: Mate, that is so gross, isn't it? Like isn't that's it? just the worst. Yeah. Like, oh god, that's made me so angry.
1: <laughs> so yeah, so she's the victim twice in this. So, uh, oh, wow. but look, this song. This song was like three years after that. And so it was a return to, okay, I'm back out in public. Maybe it was longer than three years, but it was, she's she's back in the public, back in the public eye. She can sing as who? She's got some pipes on her. Yeah, she's got a beautiful voice. It's not like these actors who they're like, oh, we'll just get in there and you can kind of sing, speak it, and then we'll put a bit of, like, you know, studio magic on it. It's like she can yeah. she can actually build out the high notes. Uh, this is her third single, and it's her signature song. It's the song that everyone is like, when you go to a Vanessa Williams gig, you're, you're waiting for this. And... She's absolutely playing it last.
0: Yeah, she has to. <laughs> She's really painted herself into a corner with that one. I'm, gl- I'm glad that she had an absolute banger. I mean, this song's not, it's not my jam, but particularly no. in light of that story, I'm thrilled that she came back all guns blazing and had this song that is still around yeah. being played at the end of events to this very day.
1: <laughs> so it got number one. It was number one for five weeks. In 92, so from March 21 to April 18. There were only 13 number one songs that year in America. Like, So if you had the number one, you held on to it for a while. But these Amazing. were the, this was the other top five the first week she got number one. So number two was To Be With You by Mr. Big, which we've talked about on a previous episode. Oh, Classic song. Loved that song. Loved it. Tears in Heaven by Eric Clapton. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Big song. Yeah, sure. Big song, big mood. Michael Jackson's Remember the Time. Mhm. Big I remember great great film clip, lots of lots of cameos in the film clip. Mm-hmm. And the other one which I f- feel doesn't feel like it's of this era but it absolutely was, Wright Said Fred's I'm too sexy. Oh my
0: gosh. You, yeah, I wouldn't have said it was from that era either, but but having said
1: that, what era is it from? <laughs> you know? Well, for me I thought it was 80s, but it's not. It's it's 92. It was yeah. Wow. It just
0: kind of, like, was there all of a sudden and we just can't evade it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Especially because the film clip is so 80s, I feel. Uh, Yeah, anyway. It, it, it,
0: It is a very 80s film clip, absolutely.
1: All right, moving on to a band who before listening to this album, I was like, I've never heard this band before. But then listened to this song and went, I've absolutely heard this band before. This is Delamitri with always the last to know. And I'll just start this one uh, from... I'll start from... That is Delamitri's Last to Know. For some reason I thought Delamitri was like a music like a, a, a Spanish influence kind of band. It just sounds like it to me.
0: Yeah, right. I I didn't think that, but I haven't I, I don't know that song, but I know that I I know they had another big song.
1: Yeah, they had a song called Roll On was their big yes. one. Yes. Yeah. And uh Kiss This that... Sing Goodbye.
0: Yes. Yes, I know both of those ones. There we yeah. go.
1: Yeah, so I also, if you played with this song, would not have guessed their country of origin. Do you want to have a guess? Mm, I do. Um, oh. See, personally, I would have just guessed America. They sound American to me. They're not, they're not American.
0: Yeah, because when you asked me that question, I yeah. was like, okay,
1: they're clearly not American.
0: Yeah. They're not American. Um, New Zealand.
1: Scottish. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Same they're one, thing. They're one of Scottish, Scotland's biggest exports in music. Like, I would never, like, would, for me, they sound so much like your Goo Goo Dolls or your Gin Blossoms, any band that could have been on the soundtrack to Empire Records, this sounds like they could have been. Yes, yeah.
0: yes, yes. I never would have said Scottish. Yeah. But then is, it, <laughs> is that because we expect a Scottish band to have vocals in a thick Scottish accent?
1: <laughs> yeah, we expect the Proclaimers. That's
0: what we want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> Uh, so, uh, this band, uh, this album that it's from, which is called, uh, change everything. Uh, this was a big, big album for them. Uh, broke America. The, their song, uh, the album before that kind of broke the college charts. It's actually broke them proper, like, you know, pop stars in America. They were on Letterman, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Gil Norton produced this, who, uh, he worked on my favorite album of all time, which is "Doolittle" by the Pixies. He, uh, also worked with ah. Echo on the bunny man Foo Fighters, uh, at this stage, this was their biggest hit to date. Always the last to know, uh, they played it on Letterman. It was their second appearance on Letterman. And, uh, wow. he, seemed, he, he seemed to really, really like them. Like he, yeah, you know I don't know if you ever watched Letterman when there'd be bands on, he'd kind of make fun of the name. I remember there was a band called the virgins, which he kind of pulled the album up and said, "We're now the virgins? And he started laughing. because, goes, oh goodness me. Um, <laughs> But yeah, he seemed to, the because f- I watched their first appearance and he afterwards like, was like, wow. And you could tell he was really talking to the band a lot and not just saying, oh, are those your drums. Uh, at this time. In- <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's so funny to think yeah. him just being like, um, I love your shiny drums.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was his big question. You, there's a like a thing on YouTube, all these things of, are those your drums? He you just asks every band, are, are, they, are those yours? <laughs>
0: You'd think he could have been coached on like I don't know how to talk to a band.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh but this song it, it deals with a breakup and it's it is one of the, it's like one of those kind of I like these kind of songs where it's like if you're not really listening to the lyrics, you're like, Oh, this is a fun song, this is a nice song, I'll put this on and dance around to it. And then you listen to the lyrics and go, Oh, this guy's absolutely heartbroken. Oh no.
0: <laughs> there are so many songs like that, aren't there, where like you, yeah, you've cruised along, like, just enjoying them and maybe they've been a party anthem for a while and then people have stopped and paid attention to the lyrics and been like, ah, oh.
1: Uh, oh, no. Because <laughs> the, uh, the Magnetic Fields have a song, uh, what's uh, it? I've, I've just gone blank on it, but it's a beautiful. Oh, The Book of Love. It's called The Book of Love. And mm-hmm. so many people have it as, like, wedding songs and stuff like that. And Stephen Merritt, the singer of the song, was like, oh, that's not – that's a sad song. That's a song about unrequited love, not forever love. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which... That's amazing. We were we were talking about, um, about school dances before as well. And a, an example of those songs that, like, people get really into and then later on are like, uh-oh, is, um, like, around that time for me, it was probably the same for you. We're about the same age. Um, there was that Girl I Want to Make You Sweat song.
1: La, la, and la, la, we, la.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it, it was like we played it at all our school dances and it was like a dance floor banger. Yeah. And then I, I reckon it's only been in the last few years that people have – like I remember seeing it on social media where people were like, um, that song <laughs> is no good. <laughs>
1: it's, it's so funny. So this song, it made me – bring because I've been dumped before. And I did not write any happy songs off the back of being dumped. That is for sure. I wrote the most sad. I remember, this is so embarrassing, but my big breakup. Okay. And we're cool now. I went, I saw her when I was in Hobart last and she's cool. The guy that she cheated on me with, she married him. So it's like, great, happy ending for her. And I'm very happy in my life now. But I remember having to get some stuff from a house and uh, she I, she goes, all right, I'll be out of the house. Come and get your stuff when I'm out. And what I did was I recorded me singing a song on her, like she had a little dictaphone there and recorded the tape and just said, oh, that's for you. When I left, I was like, oh, I hope she destroyed it. I hope, I hope, <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's not there. <laughs>
0: Oh mate we've all done we've all done stuff like that. I I remember I remember sending cringe text messages and oh letters posting letters after yeah. a breakup to the person. I remember somebody that I went on a date with twice writing me this massive poem. At, like that was so harrowing after two dates that I was like I was like do I need to what, tell someone? Like, yeah. do I need to tell the authorities? Like, we hung out twice. <laughs> and I'm well, not that big a catch.
1: <laughs> also, my thing, we've come—we've had a lot of songs on the album so far of people who are, like, writing, oh, my, my marriage is broken down and I've written this song. And I always think, what does that person feel like when they write the song and it goes on to be, like, a massive number one hit, a worldwide hit? They're like, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm the person that song's about. I... I broke their heart, but I also made them a million dollars. So I don't know. Like, it <laughs> can't feel too bad.
0: And also for you, like the person who's put that track out there, it's like you've got to keep reliving it or rehearing it. Or I know yeah, ha- having those feelings come back up every time you hear it on the radio. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I guess until you've made a million dollars and you've moved on. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, that's the thing. I always think about Adele just going. Well, that's all her. All her albums are about breakups. And it's like, well, that's yes. she's getting paid a lot of money though for it. So it's kind of the payoff is there. She,
0: yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Her, her and Taylor Swift, isn't it? Like yeah. they're, they're worth it. They're worth a fortune.
1: <laughs> now I don't know what happened to the person who was compiling these songs, but I we've gone through like so. Say the best of last is kind of like you know it's a love song, but it's a bit sad, melancholic. That's about a breakup. This one by XTC. Is called The Disappointed. So I'm not, I'm not sure what's happening to the person who's compiling it, but here we go. Let's listen to XTC's The Disappointed. So that's XTC, the disappointed. Do you know much about XTC, Kirsty?
0: Um, the, I feel like this is another Delametry. De, del, How am yeah. I saying?
1: Delametry. Yeah.
0: Delametry. That's the one. I feel like it's another one. Like I feel like I've I, I know another of these songs, but not that one.
1: Yeah there's making plans for nigel is a, their big song there's dear god which is also a very massive kind of indie hit and uh senses working overtime they they're like their three biggest songs xtc senses working overtime i reckon yeah. i know xtc is one of those bands which i know i should delve into yeah there will be i'm sure there's fans listening now going oh my god josh you're going oh, you got to listen to this one you got to listen to this one and like yeah cuz i just know they're super influential i i there was a triple R documentary that rage played and it was all the way back in, I think 80, 80, 81 or something like that. And it was just talking about the station. It was when it was still in Carlton. It was still a, like attached to RMIT. And, mm-hmm. um, I, I would say XTC had just released their first album because every single person on there was like, oh yeah, we play lots of different stuff. We play like, you know, the clash and XTC, XTC and every single person mentioned XTC. And I'm yeah, like, right. All right. Cool. That's, that's the, the cool band of, the, of that era, of like the underground kind of band. And so, uh, for those who don't know, Andy Partridge is the, is the lead singer and principal songwriter. Uh, so, this is like, I think it's like their eighth album. Uh, no, 12th album. It's, uh, it's called Nonsuch. Wow. Yeah, 12th album. So, this is from 92. Uh, and a bit of background to this. So, uh, they just released a double album called Oranges and Lemons. Had a couple of years off, and in that time, Andrew, Andy Partridge, the lead singer, uh, he hosted an unaired children's game show called Matchmakers. I, I don't know what what it involved, but that's just on their Wikipedia. He hosted a children's game show called Matchmakers. I hope it's not like a perfect match for kids.
0: <laughs> I, I reckon it's that thing where you overturn, like, two cards or whatever. Memory. Isn't it? Yeah, and you got to remember where they were.
1: Memory for TV, that's great. They should make more shows like that.
0: Just- yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> I'd love to be on that show.
1: <laughs> so uh, in that time, he'd written 32 songs for the album Nonsuch. Uh, he wrote that like in 91. They went into recording studio. Uh, and then they recorded them all and Virgin Records, who they were signed with, uh, the like one of the executives there, heard them all and went, nah, none of these are hits go back and write some more hits. We're not going to put an album out unless you write 10 absolute top 10 hits, which wow. I think is a big ask. <laughs> for That's anything. a huge ask. <laughs> like Massive ask. I think only Shania Twain has had like eight top 10 hits from the one album. And now like to the fact that the Virgin record label just went, no, you've got to have an album with, like it says here, twelve top ten guaranteed singles. Jeez, what? That's
0: outrageous. That's. <laughs> or, but also, or what? Like, yeah. what are the consequences? Well, of that well they don't. Happening? They
1: don't release the album. Is what it was. Okay, uh, so
0: they don't release the album.
1: Yeah, but and, but if and,
0: the oh, so all the singles have to make it into
1: the top ten. Yeah. So the like the record executive was like, none of these are going to make the top ten. Go back, write. 10, 12 more songs that are guaranteed hits. None of these, none oh of these are in it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, the band refused. They were like, no, we, we like these songs. So they just sat on the album for a while. They just went, all right. And then that executive was uh, fired from Virgin and a new director came in later in the year, listened to the album, went, I love this. This is great. And was very happy to put it out.
0: Wow. Yeah. Now, that's that's so hectic. Like imagine if somebody did that to us like before festival with our jokes. That's exactly what like, I was gonna ask, yeah. <laughs> like that's a terrible joke. Like that's not gonna win you the best show of the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Go back
1: and rewrite it. Like they watch your your trial show and go, nah, none of this is good. Go and write yeah. <laughs> Go write another like ten five minute gala spots. Go. Like,
0: yeah. <laughs> Yeah, these won't crush on the gala. None of these are gonna be a hit in a Netflix special.
1: <laughs> because I, I don't know, understand if everyone realizes how fragile the ego is of someone who's creating something to put out. And like, it is. I'm I'm, I'm a mess uh, when I get criticism very early on. Like when something's new and someone and because I don't know if, like you, but I'm I'm a very harsh critic of my work. And so I know, cause I'm up there saying it and I know if it doesn't get laughs, oh, I know this is, needs to be fixed. I don't need yes. someone else saying, yeah, fix that and not giving me uh, like an answer how to fix it. No, no.
0: I, yeah, I, I completely agree. It's um, yeah, it's deeply personal. I mean, it's something that you've created and, and people that don't create things don't necessarily know that. So you know, when you, when someone just like harmlessly, as far as they're concerned, like they make a flippant remark Yeah. and like, I remember after, um, I, I after a gala spot that I did, uh, I, I remember somebody telling me that I seemed flat oh. and, and I, I thought I just had an absolute ripper. But pretty much as soon as I'd walked off the stage, someone said, "Are you okay?" That wasn't the usual joyful <laughs> energy we get from you. You seem a bit flat, and I was like, "What?"
1: Yeah.
0: And that is absolutely not what my perception of my set had been, and I'd had a lovely time. Um, but I was like, "Oh man, if you if you did think that of somebody who'd just been up on the stage, yeah. keep it to yourself."
1: Yeah. Big tip for anyone who's who's going to watch a friend do anything creative afterwards, just say that was great. That's all yeah. you need to say. <laughs> pick, pick one thing that you really liked or that you can talk about and go, oh, I love this bit, and then that's all. That's all you need. And if <laughs> unless they ask you for criticism, you don't need to give it to them. No, you don't. <laughs> I remember doing a trial show one year and my management at the time saw it and they said, oh, one of them said, "You know, you said um, 182 times," <gasps> and I was like, "Yeah, I was learning it." And also, what? So you didn't watch it? You just decided to count how many times I'd said it? Like, and I, I, I doubt I said it 182 times. Like, I understand I say it, but it's like I don't. I don't think it's that big a deal in a trial no. show if someone's trying to remember a bit. Like, it's better no. than having the notes right in front of me. I, I anyway, it was. It was time to leave that, that agency.
0: <laughs> it's, it's definitely the counting for me. It's like next time you come and watch my show, do you reckon you could just watch the show rather than counting yeah. my speech idiosyncrasies? <laughs>
1: <sighs> All right, we're moving on now. We're going to Australia. First Australian song on the list for you, Kirsty. This is the band Euphoria and their song, One in Million. <sighs> All right, that is Euphoria's one in a million. Still a banger. <laughs> I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> Absolute banger. <laughs> now, when I said before... Right Said Fred sound very 80s to me. When I listen to this, this couldn't sound more 1992 if you try. If you try, (laughs) like, this is the most 1992 sounding song I've ever heard. So much so that even, we'll get to this bit, there's even uh, a saxophone solo by someone (laughs) in a leather vest and no shirt. (laughs) Yeah, that's like... It has to be.
0: It was mandatory.
1: Now... This was the number one in Australia. It was their second number one. Uh, we talked about the band uh, before uh, in a previous episode. An amazing story. I won't, I won't go into it again. Uh, just to say they were Australia's Milli Vanilli or could have been. <laughs> so on this song, uh, Holly Garnett is the uh, opening vocalist. So Holly Garnett and uh, Karen Mischel split the vocal duties Uh, Karen gets all the big notes. She she is the the better singer. Uh, But to me, this song sounds like commercial TV, like a network ad. you know how they used to do network ads at the end of the year where all the stars from the... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From the network would come in and they'd dance around and kind of pass something through the screen like, to the next person and they'd take it like an apple or something and then Jeff Jantz would juggle it and then they'd pass it on and it was <laughs> yeah. Tony Perrin or whoever it was. This song sounds like that.
0: Do you know, when you mentioned network ad, the first person that popped into my
1: mind was Jeff Jance. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to Jeff Jance?
0: Surely. They like... stopped doing network ads. Yeah, so there was true. no use
1: for him. <laughs> I love you, Jeff. Jeff Jantz, Gabrielle gate all these big name like '90s TV chefs. Yeah, they just disappeared, didn't they? They've got them holed up in a room somewhere, waiting to wheel them out yeah. in MasterChef in a few in a few years. That they should do this. They should they should do a MasterChef retro, and you've got to make like prawn cocktails, or you've got to make <gasps> something that's '80s or '90s, like Cabana with like. Uh, pineapple on a stick and something like that and try and make it cool and get Jeff Jantz, Gabrielle Gatte, uh, oh, maybe Huey. I don't know. But, like,
0: <laughs> get him in. That is so funny. Like, Cabanossi with green pickled onions. Yeah. <laughs> Rock
1: Rockmelon wrapped in prosciutto. Because I was thinking – because I don't know, look, one, I don't really watch that much commercial TV, so I don't see if they do the network stars ads anymore. Yeah. But I I always found it weird because I'm like, well, I'm already watching. Like you're doing an ad for something I'm already watching. Like it's... Yes. It's like when real estate agents put up massive big posters at the front of their real estate agent's office for houses they've already sold. I'm like, well, I don't care about that. Like yeah. <laughs> what, what houses do you have to sell? Like it's... yeah. It, <laughs> Weird. You should
0: pay yourself to put an ad for this pod on the pod.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's let's stop for an ad now and just have me going, all right, please listen to 100% Hits Volume Pod. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you think that's a good song. I, I also like, I think it's fun. I think it's uh, just so of the era and good on Euphoria. I think they, they figured out how to do uh, fun, dumb pop music.
0: Absolutely. It's a banger. Love all it. Right.
1: All right, moving on. So we're going to the UK now, and this is Soul to Souls, Move No Mountain. So I might just go a little bit ahead. Here we go. So Move No Mountain had had, had you ever heard this song before No no neither.
0: this this compilation's so weird for me as well because we had pretty much a full collection of these CDs when yeah. I was growing up like absolutely wild for them because we're not monsters
1: yeah.
0: And <laughs> <laughs> like when you sent me this one through I was like I barely know any of these tracks and this yeah. is one I've, I've never heard of it before in my life
1: well, this is a, this is a cover. Uh, so the original is uh, by a band called Love Unlimited from the 70s, mm-hmm. but the definitive version is the Shaka Khan version. She does a version of this song, and that is what people are saying, that's the, the definitive version of this song, which is always I always find okay. it funny when the definitive version is not the original version. I, I, I like yeah, that,
0: how, yeah, how heartbreaking. If you, yeah. if you were the artist who made the original, how heartbreaking.
1: I know. So these are uh, British group uh, Grammy Award winning uh, – winning group. Uh this is from their third album called Volume Three, Just Right. So the band at this stage were having a few lineup changes. So the original singer Karen Wheeler left to pursue solo uh solo stuff. And on this version the singer is a woman called Carol Sims, aka Coffee, but spelled K-O-F-I. Is that Kofi Coffee? I'm not sure. Ah. But there is some controversy around that, her singing it, because do you remember the band Snap? Rhythm is yes. a Dancer? Yeah. Yes. So th- yeah. The belter. Yes. Their vocalist, Penny Ford, is doing backing vocals, but she originally thought that she was in the recording studio to do the lead vocals. And this is what I found on the YouTube comments of the song. Hi, Penny Ford here from Snap. Love you guys. Actually, I had sang the lead as well. We were just testing the mics and I thought this was just a practice test. And what do you know? Jazzy put this chick on it instead and released it. Where's the integrity? And that's from four years ago. So like, wow, like how many years is, so it's like over 20 years. She's still holding, she's going on the YouTube of a song that she sing to reply to people. She's still holding that grudge. Penny Ford, mate, you've got to you've got to move on. I understand. I understand it's hard sometimes when you feel you've been slighted by the industry, but you can't go on the message boards. You can't be looking what people are saying, mate. You've got to just just revel in the rhythm as a dancer. Go on that message board. See all the all the great all the great messages.
0: And they will be great messages. And like Penny Ford, like as someone who's got stuff out there on YouTube and other places, I can tell you with the deepest sincerity you should never read the comments let alone post in
1: them <laughs> defending <No>. yourself <laughs> also no one knew that penny they just thought oh cool penny ford's on this as a backing vocalist that's cool and she's like no i was actually the i was the main i was the lead vocalist but i just thought we were practicing i didn't know that was the proper take which does sound like someone who is making excuses not to not to you know say that penny ford's lying here you know, you've done auditions where you have mucked up, you know, you've mucked up and you walked out and your manager say, "Hey, how was that?" And you go, "Oh, I don't think they wanted me anyway. It just had a weird vibe." And it's like, "No, no, you just didn't do the work." Like, "Oh, it was a practice one." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was just I didn't know it was serious. I was just, you know, having fun, kind of mucking around.
0: Yeah. Oh gosh, it's it's so cringe. Um the whole thing. I I hated the word cringe when when the young people started using it. But now, like, I'm like, it's just the perfect word for so many things. And that's one of them. It's like, oh, wow, like, you've really, um, you've really told on yourself. Yeah. Really. Really like, is. Like, the, the general public would have just cruised by yep. Oblivion is Bliss.
1: All <laughs> right. Moving on. Now, this is. Now, from this album, Side A and Side B, there was no bigger song. In the brooklyn primary school playground in 92 than this song by this band now this is ugly kid joe with everything about you i'm gonna play it from i'll skip the i'll skip the talking here we go we'll go to this actual song Everything about you. What, what do you remember? Ripper. This? <laughs> it was huge as well. Yeah, it was massive where I was. I think this band were they were very big everywhere, but I think Australia really, really loved this band, Ugly Kid Joe. I think Japan and Australia, outside of the US, were the two big markets for this band. Well,
0: yeah, we loved them. Were they the ones that did the the neighbor one?
1: Yeah, like, which is, which yeah. is coming up next episode, I think.
0: But they also ah, yeah, did right.
1: speaking of covers they did a cover of Cats in the Cradle. That was their yes. that was their big big hit. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, no this was huge and it also appealed to that primary school demographic because we yeah, we used to just sing it at each other all the time like yeah. and it was a big gag.
1: Yeah, well singing it behind is, the
0: teacher's back.
1: Well, it is very much it's it's metal music for children. Like it's, it's almost yes. the gateway into some heavier stuff. Yes. <laughs> like, it's, and also th- they, they had a very good gimmick and they had a logo, uh, which was, uh, a kid sticking his finger up Allah, kind of like, you see the bumper stickers of Calvin pissing on, like with his back and turning around like that. It was very similar to like, like this, this walk. So those Calvin pissing stickers can run. That's pretty much what it yeah. was. <laughs> That uh, is true (laughs) So here's a bit of background of this band So they're called Ugly Kid Joe because they got a support uh, spot for a metal band in LA called Pretty Boy Floyd And they had a different name They said, oh, let's call ourselves Ugly Kid Joe as a joke to support Pretty Boy Floyd Well, I'm not sure if Pretty Boy Floyd took offence, but Pretty Boy Floyd cancelled the gig um, so they didn't actually play. They didn't support them, but they uh, kept the name. They went on. Uh, we like the name anyway. They were originally meant to be, do the whole soundtrack. All the song, all their songs were meant to be on Encino Man. They were meant to be used through, throughout Encino Man. And Don Eisner, the head of the uh, company, I think it was Warner, uh, heard it and went, nah, get other songs. Don't like them. So he, he scrapped it. Wow. But they still uh, got... Got big off the back of just radio play. People, people loved it, and so the uh, lead singer, uh, Whitford, Whitfield Crane, which sounds like Frazier's long lost brother. It doesn't sound like a metal, <laughs> a metal musician. <laughs> Whitfield Crane, yeah. He went, he went by Whit though. So uh, they were doing support. I think they supported uh, uh, Ozzy Osbourne a lot, and uh, they were going flying back into LA to finish the album, and then it caused controversy when it was released because the cover is the band's mascot posing as the Statue of Liberty, but holding the middle finger up and holding instead of the um, statute, statute of declaration, it was holding a porn magazine. It's a cartoon. Yeah. And so some stores wouldn't carry the album unless they had a cover image, like a cover change. And so the album, they made an alternative cover, which was uh, the mascot chained and gagged. That was their like, all right, you're going to, so it was almost, they got a bit of publicity off the back of that. Like, this is a naughty album. You've got to, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That classic, like harnessing the trolls kind of energy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Harnessing the haters.
1: (laughs) But uh, yeah, I think the band, band didn't last long. They, a lot of infighting. They were super, super successful touring the world and then not getting on with each other. And, their last album uh, together as a band was in 97 called Motel California, which is quite quite a funny uh, name. Uh, but then they're back together, back together riding this kind of nostalgia train. Like they're still, they've gone, all right, let's, let's do this more stuff. And metal fans are the most loyal fans out of all the music genres, I, I would say.
0: I reckon that's fair too.
1: Metal and country. They're the two ones who are like, we're, we're ride and die with these. We love these genres and we're not going to move away from it. Yep. All right. Moving on back to Australia and another cover, another cover. Now this is a cover of the godly and cream song cry. This is the Australian artist, Lisa Edwards. Here we go. Listeners know when I play a lot of the song that I am enjoying the song. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love that song. Yeah. The
1: original song is great as well. It's one of those things when the source material is so good, like it's it's really hard to, if you do a pre stock standard straight cover of it to muck it up.
0: Yeah. Who, who did you say sang the original?
1: Godly and Cream. So they used to be called, before Godly and Cream, they were 10cc. Um, I'm Not Alone. I'm not alone. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Cream. Lowell Cream is the man's name. One of the best names in music. Lol. Cream. Great. Excellent. How do you spell lol? LOL. <laughs> <laughs> but Cream is spelled. That is incredible. C-R-E with the little like Omelie asterisk thing on top. M-E. That's, yeah.
0: That's that's exactly how I pictured it. Right. <laughs> that's, am- that's amazing. What an incredible name. I'm changing my
1: name to that. See, that is a rock star's name. Whitfield Crane is not a rock star's name. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're around the wrong way. So they uh, are. Lisa Edwards. Now, Lisa Edwards, uh, this is from her solo album, but she's most known for being a backing vocalist for John Farnham. She was oh. in Farnsey's, uh touring band forever and ever and ever. She's done backing vocals for so many amazing uh, artists, artists. Uh, most notably, uh, John Farnham and Kylie Minogue. She's uh, tours with Kylie. She's in the in the um, on stage doing the BVs with Kylie. Uh, so this mentioned. is from from her album Through the Hoop. It was it was a huge hit. Uh, got to number two uh, on the charts, and it was the forty first highest selling single of ninety two. Wow, quite big. Also, the third song on this in this whole thing that deals with uh, breakup. I am telling you. Person who compiled this, like, They were going through something. Well the first three albums were super, super horny. We got to this one and now they've obviously broken up with them. And they're like, oh no. <laughs> gonna, gonna cry. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> um yeah, and we'll... backing vocals for Kylie. Yeah. Do you reckon Lisa Edwards ever went on Kylie's YouTube channel and <laughs> said, I actually thought I was gonna be doing the vocals for spinning around?
1: <laughs> well, I was Talking to uh, Jez last week, and we were talking about like I think we were talking about Diesel. Just saying, if you like, Diesel has had an amazing career, being able to do all this stuff. But he's he's been kind of like a big name. He's won Arias. Lisa Edwards has also had an incredible career. If you think, oh, I'm a singer, and you're like, oh, what do you do? Oh, I do backing vocals for John Farnham and Kylie Minogue and all this kind of stuff. I had my own song. It was the 41st selling so- single of '92. You go, that's incredible. But there must be a part you go, oh, do you ever want to get from not just the backing vocals and center stage? And I hope that Lisa Edwards isn't like, yeah, all the time. I hope she's like, oh, I just love singing and I love the opportunities and I I love having a career in the arts. That's what you, you'd want to get to. But you just want that little yeah. voice in the back of your head going, oh, is this enough? Am I doing enough?
0: Yeah, that's so interesting, isn't it? Like, I'm, I'm sure there are people out there who do just really... Enjoy what they're doing and are really satisfied. Yeah, yeah, being whatever, like a backup dancer or a backup singer or whatever it is. But you know, when you th- when you think about comedians' personalities and you, yeah, yeah like you, you know, you imagine if you were the opener for the rest of your career. Like I, I know the vast majority of comedians I know, like absolutely, would not be satisfied being the opener forever. No. everyone's got aspirations of being. The main act, and but in music, like I guess, I guess there would be people who would just love being involved in, and in, because I mean, yeah, you look at Lisa Edwards, and there's no reason why she couldn't have, yeah, kept on keeping on. Like this song's a banger, and it's made it onto this compilation. Like yep. the sky was the limit for her.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, is that thing of like going? Because I know. From my own personal experience with my family, when I when I was writing for "Would I Lie to You" and writing for the project, they're like, "Oh, don't you want to be on it though?" I'm like, "No, I'm happy writing for it. It's a it's fun. It's like I get paid. Yeah, there's no stress. It's like yeah, different write, job. Write jokes and they put them on, and I still get to perform. Like, but they're like, "Oh, but surely you want to be on?" it. I'm like, very happy, very content, doing just writing yeah. the jokes and making sure the show is good, as best as I could. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And because you get to do those roles and you get to write jokes for shows that aren't necessarily the kind of show that you would want to be on. Or, yeah. But even if it is, it's still, if it is the kind of show that you'd want to be on, it's still sick being behind the scenes and like yeah. being able to write the jokes and, like you said, make sure the show's good.
1: Writing jokes, what a, what a job. It's great.
0: Yeah, it's right. yeah, amazing.
1: Now, I didn't tell you this at the start, Kirsty. I'm allowed to dislike one song per, per uh, episode. Only one. Uh, Only one. That's all I'm allowed to dislike. And we've come to that song. And it's not like I dislike it in that it's not like it's the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I'm like, oh, gross. I can't stand it. This is just for me the most boring song on the album. It's Fly Like an Eagle by the Neville Brothers. Here we go.
0: keeps on sticking. Mm.
1: That's, that's it. See, for me, I get nothing from that. Yeah,
0: it's um, – I think it's uh, boring. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's just a boring kind of track. Like, I, I it, it lulled me into a sense of serenity, which felt nice. I'm watching the, the rain falling out the window, and it felt nice to be feeling so serene, but it's not necessarily the role of – music like that in my life.
1: Yeah. yeah. it's. I think it's too slick and too smooth. And I'm sure the Neville brothers, probably the best musicians on the entire album. I don't reckon you'd get better musicians than them, but just because mm-hmm. you can play all the notes doesn't mean it's, it gives what I want to get out of music.
0: Just because you can play all the notes doesn't mean you
1: should. Yes. That's what I get when I watch John Butler as well. John Butler trio and he's mm. on the guitar. I'm like, yeah, you're cool. It's like maths though. Like you figured out the equation, but it's not really giving me the answer I want.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a flop for me big time.
1: Yeah. So this is but look, this is this is the Neville Brothers bit of back uh backstory. So the Neville Brothers are Art, Charles, Aaron and Cyril. So uh art was in the band called The Meters, which was super influential in creating the New Orleans funk sound in the 70s. Like super, like he's like just uh oh sixties I mean, so super, super like influential person. They formed the Neville brothers when they were all in their thirties. Kirsty, can you imagine forming a creative partnership with your siblings in your thirties?
0: Oh (laughs) no. I mean, we've all, we've all developed very strong, very
1: different personalities. <laughs> I understand doing I, it I in think, your teens as a like, oh, come on, family band. But oh, yeah. when you're in your thirties,
0: and, and, and like you have to grow together, like you've got to you've got to start when you're young enough that you all you, you all fall in step yeah. and fit the mold of that band, like as you're growing up, like in your thirties. There'd be, like, oh, gosh, there'd be fighting and
1: wrestling on the ground in the band room. But also, you'd all, you'd all have your own lives as well. Like, you'd all be having... Like, yeah. But so, Art, Aaron, and Cyril were in a band together in the 60s, though, called The Neville Sounds. Neville, as well, is... It's such a funny name. For me, it's because the Neville Brothers sounds to me like it should be like a Bogan Australian band, like the Neville Brothers, like yes. four blokes yes. called Neville. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's got connotations for yeah. sure. But Aaron Neville is probably the most famous uh, of the Neville Brothers, especially because he had his huge hit with Linda Ronstadt, Don't Know Much, But I Know I Love oh, You. Oh, But I Know I Love You. I don't Know Much. Yeah, but my favourite of his songs is this one here. I'm going to play it for you here. This is him. So that was a duet with Linda Ronstadt, but not my favourite duet of his. My favourite duet of his is with Ernie from Sesame Street when he sang I Don't Want to Live on the Moon. Here we go. Listen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'd like to visit the moon On a rocket ship high in the air Yes, I'd like to visit the moon, but I don't think I'd like to live there. So that's my that's my favourite Sesame Street song.
0: It's very cute. It's
1: the it's the most beautiful song. It's all about yeah. I'd like to visit, but I'd miss all my family and friends and the people I love. And it's like I don't want oh. to live under the water. Yeah, but it's not much fun when your friends are all fish. I want to go back. I want to go back home. It's it's beautiful. And I love it. That is beautiful. Yeah. I think I might do a Patreon episode uh, of top five of top five Sesame Street or Muppet songs because yeah, there's some good songwriters in that, in that crew. Um, But yeah, but yeah, this song to me, I don't know. Like I just, it's, it's all clean. They all sound like session musicians. It's just, I don't know. There's no grit. Yeah. There's nothing. Yeah. Meditative state it put me into. I wasn't chasing that today. Well, speaking of grit. This, this is a song that I'd, I'd never heard this song. I'd heard the band. They're a big band. People love this band in this country. But I'd never actually heard this song. And this is the Screaming Jets and their song, Living in England. Is that what you think of the screaming jet sound when you think screaming jets no yeah me either that's like i really really like that song i've been listening to that one more than any of the other songs on this entire album i really like it it's like yeah. to me, it's like the meanies and cosmic psychos it's not as good as them but it's 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 in that vein of like angels kind that's of what like, i yeah. was about to say yeah
0: that's yeah it sounds like it belongs on a cheap shot records compilation yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: So for those who don't know, the Streaming Jets, uh, Dave Gleason and Grant Wormsley formed the band in 81 when they were at school together. They went to St. Francis Xavier's College in Hamilton, and they first performed together at the Newcastle Town Hall for a school dance. Uh, they were kind of in other bands as well, just in high school kids, and then finished high school, former band, Screaming Jets, and they actually won the first ever Triple J National Band Competition. They, this was before wow. Unearthed. They were the original winners, because I'd always been told... That Silverchair were the first winners of that thing. For some reason, that was in my head that Silverchair won the first kind of Triple J thing, but it was the Screaming Jets, both bands being from Newcastle. So yeah, right on. Yeah, during uh through uh, to the late 1990s, uh, though they became infamous for a bunch of raucous gigs and sometimes violent live shows. Because what happened was they got the Triple J kind of fame, and so all their original Newcastle kind of fans and all their new Sydney fans would go to the gigs and just go, nah, we don't belong in the same room together and just fight each other. So there was wow, uh, yeah, one, it was a show at the uh, Karadama cafe in the Red, L- in King's cross. And so people were carried out uh, like kind of uh, crowd surfing style. Cause they'd been injured and had to be like broken noses, broken legs and uh, heat exhaustion. Oh. Yeah. That's terrible. Yeah. So uh, this song, uh, they moved to England. They tried to make it big in England, like so many bands do. ACDC did the same thing. They seemed to be that thing, like a rite of passage, like, all right, let, we'll get a, a following in Australia, we'll head to England. In Excess did the same thing. They were on In Excess' label, Ruart. Uh, and this uh, is from the EP of the same name, Living in England. And also it was on their album, uh, Tear of Thought. Uh, and, yeah, it's it's... Because when I think of this band, I think of Better, which was their big big hit. Yes. And their cover of Shivers. Mm-hmm. And then I think more kind of slowy kind of rock that doesn't really appeal to me. Like yeah, I, it, it all seems to be a bit like we can go faster than this, but we're slowing it down because I want you to hear the five string bass guitar, and I want yeah, I don't know, it's that. But I I like this kind of rough and ready. Let's do it like really quick and it'll be fun. Like, yeah, this, this I like.
0: <laughs> I'm surprised we didn't get the full song. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can only play 40% and the song only goes for two minutes, 20. That's, that's another thing. I like sh- short and fast. That's, that's me. Absolutely. Really.
0: <laughs> get it done. <laughs> we don't want a medley.
1: No. All right. Now, Kirsty, that is the end of side B. Now, this is a question I ask ever since Michelle Brazy did the show. 100% hits? Would you give it 100%? How many are hits in your opinion? What percentage? I can go through them. Oh. Okay. Vanessa Williams, Save the Best for Last. Hit? Yes. Always the Last No by Delamitri. No. Nah. The Disappointed by XTC. No. Nah. Uh, Move No Mountain by Soul to Soul no <laughs> euphoria one in a million yes yeah uh ugly kid joe everything about you
0: yeah for off day just
1: fake <laughs> lisa edwards cry yeah
0: hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade
1: your style game without blowing your budget The Neville Brothers Fly Like an Eagle? No. no. And Living in England by the Screaming Jets?
0: Yeah, I'm going to say yeah.
1: So five out of nine. So we're about 58% hits. That's not too bad.
0: Yeah, that's not too bad. That, I reckon that's pretty good. Just from memory, I, I reckon that's probably what my stats were across the board with all those CDs that we used to own.
1: Oh, exactly. That's the whole thing of a compilation. There's some you skip over and some you're like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll play the whole song if I can't get to the CD player. If I can't reach yes. it, yeah. And then there's yeah. the ones that are like, no, we have to skip to this one.
0: And and we used to um we used to tape the C D onto a tape player and skip the tracks we didn't like.
1: Perfect. I love that. <laughs>
0: so we'd make the best of the compilation.
1: <laughs> maybe maybe I'll do a, a Patreon episode where we do of the first six, we just make our best best eighteen songs from that.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. That, that's that could a be great
1: fun. idea. Hey, this is heaps of fun. Thanks for doing this, Kirsty. Where can people find Kirsty Webeck?
0: My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, uh, KirstyWebeck.com forward slash shows. That's that's where you can find my mailing list for live tours. Otherwise, I'm on all social media. I, I, I've just even joined TikTok. I've I can't believe this. it. Yeah. Yes, I'm. Look, I'm getting there. I'm learning the ways of the youth. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm on TikTok as well, and I'm just under my name Kirsty Webeck, on every platform.
1: Excellent. Make sure you you follow Kirsty. Hey. Big thanks to everyone who came to Sydney to watch the Don't You Know I Am live show and Modern Contemporary. Uh, That was lots of fun. Hopefully, I get to do Modern Contemporary again sometime because I do like that show. Uh, If you want to hear that show, join the Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash dykwia. There'll be a link in the show notes. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, everyone, who's been uh, leaving great comments on the Apple uh, iTunes and podcast pages. That means a lot. Until next time, see you later. Bye.